Hello and welcome to Dungeon Master Talk, a podcast by Dungeon Masters for Dungeon Masters. I am Dungeon Master Shay. And I'm Dungeon Master Kyle. How you doing, Kyle? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself, Shay? Not bad, man. Hey, no, you know, we keep talking like, you know, it's been like 10 minutes since we've talked about D&D. Like, it's actually been a hot minute since we have talked D&D. Yeah, this time it's been like a couple weeks. <laughs> it, it actually Maybe has. And, and part of that was because of the holidays here in the U.S., which... Happy belated Thanksgiving to those of you listeners from the U.S. Um, happy Turkey and Day! Happy Turkey Day! Yeah, did you uh, did you go home for the holidays or? Uh, nope, I was actually uh, held up sick for my oh, holiday break. That sucks. Yeah, it happens. that sucks. I'm glad you're feeling better though. Yeah, me too. Thank you though. <laughs> All right, so Kyle, today we have a topic. That I will pull out of my okay. No, that's not that's not right. We've actually been kind of talking about this one for a little bit, listeners. This one is actually going to be about storekeepers and stores that you would typically run into in in towns or villages or cities that your PCs might run into. Kyle, what makes a good store? Like, what's the reason for a good store in, in a campaign? When you when it kind of comes down to it with RPGs, there's two common tropes that like. You're, you're, you gotta have them. There's the inns, like your inns slash pubs, and then there's also the, the shop. You gotta have a store, the place where your, your players can go to sell all the random goodies that they've collected throughout the campaign, because the most common treasure for most of us that we deal out, it's gold, when they're like, hey, uh, I wanted to loot that body. Uh, and you're like, oh, I, I wasn't prepared for them to loot that body, because this is not a rogue. <laughs> Why, why do all my fighters play like rogues? <laughs> why do all my rogues f- play like fighters? Exactly. And so it's, now you got to have a place. Spend that gold. Leveling up is the, of course, built-in way that the characters are going to upgrade as they play. But then items is the secondary way. And it's kind of a way that characters can become unique. And while it is fun to find items... It's also a good way to introduce something that maybe wouldn't be found out in the wild of your campaign. Like it, to me, it's a bit odd when I have a ruffian or a goblin or a owl bear wielding a sunblade or wielding a perfect set of a chainmail armor or plate mail armor. That'd be the next upgrade for my fighter. And so rather than try to come up with a way to include that in the wild and then then maybe missing it, giving opportunity for them to spend that money that you're naturally giving them throughout the campaign to upgrade the character as they see fit, not as you are trying to like seed out to them. It's just like a good sub sub game to D and D. Oh yeah, for sure. And and I think that that kind of adds a more um, realistic feel to it because it's not every day that you would run into like a dragon horde and find a plus five sword. You know, it's not every day that you run into, like you said, an owlbear with a sunblade. I mean, it kind of gives this like sense of realism, but it also, to me, it kind of gives a dimension of playfulness in a sense, because you can get some really firm storekeepers, but you can also get some really wacky ones also. And for me, it's one of those things where just the interaction of the players when they meet these, you know, NPCs that you, you, you build for these stores. But I also think, too, sometimes it's a nice lighter session, if you want to call it that. So, like, if you, for example, had a campaign that you, you've been dungeon delving for, like, 10 sessions, right? And then you go and defeat whatever the 
whatever the thing was in that cave, but you suffered some serious damages like you lost a limb or one of your party didn't make it or you all got the snot beat out of you pretty bad. I mean, it, it's kind of a big bad just got away again. Or yeah, yeah, you could be frustrated that a big bad got away or, you know, you can fill in the blank. But I think it's one of those things where it's it you can still have a session and you can prepare your people for the upcoming uh, encounters that they will have, either, even though they don't know what those are. But I think also it, it kind of gives them a chance to build the local economy um, of your world. Not that it's really needed per se, because a lot of this is obviously made up in our heads. You kind of get the, give them a chance to kind of really plug into whatever societies that they might happen to run across. And it can go a long way to just make the world feel more alive. And that's a big part of helping that immersion is just those it's not necessarily becoming the next amazing novel novelist or writer it's just about taking that one extra step that really carries your world to the next level and, and it little things go such a long way when role playing to make things immersive including a shop amongst the the monotony of just normal buildings cuz you can you can get clever with the names and think of real world examples that you've run into or you can take you can take inspiration again from movies that you watch, books that you read, p- apply your own twist on it, maybe fuse some stuff and come up with some fun shop names that your your characters can get a little, or sorry, your players can get a little uh, chuckle at that would entice them into the store. And then it, that's really just a little thing that made your world come a little bit more alive from before because it, it's just that one more sense of, ah, yes, like me in real life, I go to store. Now, me in game, I can go to a store type thing. It, hopefully less barbarian sounding than I just made that. <laughs> I, I was going to say, that's that's a very caveman description of that. Well, that's how I live my life. It's like, me need work. Me need store. Me need food. Me need... <laughs> <laughs> me need run D&D. <laughs> me eat toast? I mean... <laughs> me slaughter party? No. <laughs> You wish. <laughs> One of these days. <laughs> One of these days. I know it. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. And despite all the memes that I tell you to bring it on, <laughs> I know it's coming. <laughs> so, yep. like, just off the top of your head, Kyle, like, if somebody's looking for a good shopkeep to imitate or get an idea from, do you have one that pops to mind? Honestly, I like kind of more wackadoo characters for my shopkeeps. Uh, <laughs> somebody that, like, just they don't, like... I really like to model, and I've I've done this only once in my campaign so far, because I like to keep each shop feeling unique. True. I love the shopkeep that really doesn't make sense to be there. You know, the, <laughs> the one that's, they don't, you have the, the shopkeep selling swords, like, he can't lift, uh, he doesn't know how to describe them, but then he does know <laughs> how to sell you, uh, up upsell you big time. <laughs> That's a scary salesman right there, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and, and then just have him be like secretly smart at the end. Uh, and I can't say that I've honestly stolen that from one particular media. I, I think I'm dry, probably drawing a lot more from childhood, like cartoony. Mm-hmm. keeps when I uh, when I vision that character and that's obviously of course when I'm trying to bring bring some levity yeah to the party and not necessarily uh, the best shopping experience in that case <laughs> but there's obviously some great ones that that you could probably pull from from media honestly the the, the key to me is making it make sense to the either either it's got to from my standpoint when I run things I'm either gonna jar my party get them laughing 
a lot or it's got to make sense in the area I've built. And that's more what I think when I'm running a shopkeep. So I try to oh, make sure, sure that they're engaged with, like, if I, if we're running one, I'm like, okay, I actually want them to get something out of this store. It's going to actually have items that are worth buying. Then that shopkeep's going to be a little bit plugged into the area, have some knowledge of the surroundings of the town, of people in the town, what's been going on, and then also be able to talk their items. And then I try to distinct them with an attempt at accent. My part, my players know I am not a voice actor, and I don't try that hard to be that often. But I have a couple uh, voices I'll break out every now and then, and uh, they are. And, and y'all, he it. he tries, and I give him an A for effort because he tries. He tries so hard, and it's it's hilarious because. Even I can't replicate it. It's it's great. I don't. That's great. Like I can't do it again. That's the problem. Once I start it, it's like, yeah. <laughs> and I know some of my players make it a game. Like, all right, now make him use a different voice because you can't come back to this one. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> uh, By the way, the the way you're the way you're describing the shopkeeps, I'm gonna write that down. Take a put that in my back pocket for our next session. Yeah, but it is important to know that like you could. There are movies out there that have keeps now, like shop uh, owners and runners that. It would be great mm-hmm. to pull from, and I'm blanking on them right now. So I'm hoping, Shay, that you can bail me out with at least one. But who I sure. who I think of a lot, and it, not really necessary in that they were shopkeep, but that they talked items was obviously Q uh, from James Bond. Yep. Which honestly, my first exposure to Q was from James Bond video games, and not oh, from watching a movie. You have one that you would recommend, Shay? So. I actually have a couple that came to mind when I was thinking about this. One of them, and yes, listeners, I have kids and we are a Disney family, so you're just going to have to bear with me on this one. But uh, one of them that, that popped into my head was the Wandering Oaken from Frozen. And he goes, you who big summer blowout. Oh, yeah. And I, I just butchered that really bad. But just he has that like really big personality. It's a very warming personality. He's like, Oh yeah, I help you. Yeah, yeah, I help you. Here's all these things. Like he's he's very like engaged and he's very like helpful. And then like you go from like that side of the spectrum, and then you go to like somebody like the beginning of the old school uh, cartoon Aladdin, where he's like he, you almost feel creepy talking to the guy because he's like you know I I, I sell this to you. I have these. I have these. I have a boom, and then all of a sudden he's got this like big store that just pops up out of nowhere. Yeah. So like he's like that 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 definition of like a, a traveling wandering salesman. But <laughs> one of the, one of the people that I actually wrote down, and this is, this is from way back when in my childhood, there was a, a storekeep that was down the street from, from me and my uh, neighbor buddy. And we would always go down and we would buy like all kinds of snacks and sodas and stuff like that. And we would pay with change. It was always change. There was never dollar bills, nothing. It was straight change. And we would do this in like, five to ten dollar range increments where he'd have to count out every one of those pennies and quarters and nickels and and he would be cussing us out the entire time so like it was one of those things where like i remember that like having the disgruntled type shopkeeper that's like god i can't believe i have to do this and blah 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 blah. (laughs) like i said i can't repeat what was said but it was for i don't know what it was it was probably a twisted frame of humor but my buddy and i we would just crack over laughing after we would walk out of the store every time and we could just hear him cussing a storm after we left. I have two real life shop owners I love to draw from. So most of my friends will know that I am a big time comic book reader and bought comic books quite often. 
spent way too much money, if I'm being honest. It's probably a problem. But nobody's told me to stop yet. So the person I bought from the most, he was super... Honestly, I'd get in trouble from my wife because I'd stay at the store talking to him for hours about life, about the comics. And the dude could sell me comic books because I believe that. he found out what I liked. He knew what to talk to me about. He knew how to draw me in. And he got me to buy books that I would I was never ever going to. So I've tried very hard to capture that. I don't know if I've succeeded yet. Probably the closest I've ever come to that was actually not to do with items, which we're talking mostly about items in this. But I want to bring this up because, and then we'll go back to talking about items. I did a shop that was actually a clothing store and not a clothing store as in oh, yeah. you can buy item like armor or boots, but clothing store purely for apparel and how you look. Mm-hmm. And my wizard went in there and the shopkeep destroyed him first. She ripped him <laughs> apart, had him convinced that his character was ugly to the point that he broke character to ask me to make sure. She's like, I thought we said that he looked kind of cool. And, and, I was like, <laughs> and I, I like I broke character for a moment. And I was like, it's called role play. Like, the shopkeep wants to sell you stuff. I was like, go back and be a character. Keep this doubt. And it's called sales tactics, buddy. Yep, sales tactics. And then the shopkeep sold and sold and sold to where he left with four outfits, three or four outfits. He, it was a lot. Yeah, and like that's what I. And of course, he had the money for it because I my party went a very long time. I went a while where I didn't allow my party to spend their gold because I was honestly, as an early DM, intimidated by the concept of making a store. And the pre-built <laughs> that I had really didn't have one already built out. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really excited to move on to the next topics we're going to talk about, and we'll see how deep we're able to get in this conversation. But I really, really, really needed to get some gold off my party. And one of the ways I decided to do that was have this this apparel keep that was really trying to do exactly what she did to this wizard and kind of tear down their self-confidence so that then could give them back their self-confidence via selling them all this stuff that they probably didn't need. That's possible, yeah. Not how this, if my, comp- my shop owner listened to, like, that's not how he got me. He never tore me down. But that hook, like, he got me... Mm-hmm. into buying comics because he he found what i liked and we connected on it and then he would just simply yeah. talk about the books that he read and was loving and then he said oh but you need to read it mm-hmm. and it's right here <laughs> just just happened to have it on in his hand yep and to be clear to all the listeners i lo- like i very much like this human uh, he is a great guy and i will buy comics from him again and uh, so I know he can sell me stuff, but also I really enjoy buying from him and supporting from him. So this is not a dig in any way. So then uh, transitioning from that back to the items, as I promised, Shay, how do you select when, when you're running a shop? We kind of t- we've talked a little bit now. And of course, we'll talk about naming it and uh, role playing the, mm-hmm. the keep and stuff more, I'm sure, because we're us and we don't do anything in a particular order. <laughs> but how do you select what items that you want to sell in your shop? It's kind of a twofold answer. Part of it is based off of what I think my characters would like. And also part, the other part is taking notes on what they would think would be cool. Just because, you know, when you're when you're adventuring, there's travel time, there's campfire discussions and sometimes sometimes you'll get them to talk about oh this would be cool to have or if i could find this and so you know i'll just take my notebook and i'll just write that down for for notes for next time and and i'll say okay well if let's just say a rogue would like a dagger you know a specific dagger that does a specific 
thing, depending on where we're at and what's going on, maybe I can justify them finding one in a deep, dark chest cave, in a treasure chest in a cave somewhere. Or we could use a store shop and have a store specifically for enchanting items, like a uh, magical emporium type store. And they could pay to have their favorite dagger enchanted with fill in the blank charm or, you know, mm-hmm. extra extra damage dealer or, you know, wh- whatever you want to call it. You could have it set up to where they could buy it outright from said Emporium. Like they could, they, you know, if they're just in there shopping, like, hey, what, what do you have? They could buy it that way. I know when our campaign first started, like the first session, uh, they were in a keep and one in the rogue actually like was pushing the, uh, Storekeep saying, hey, you know, what do you have? Trying to dig up some really cool thing. And I ended up actually selling them a immovable rod that they have they have used Ooh. on several occasions. And it's actually it's really funny um how they used it the first couple of times. But yeah. One logistic question about the immovable rod. Okay. How did anyone ever move it? Like you can't obtain possession of an immovable rod. The, it's immovable. So <laughs> it's the way I know, I know how you pick it up. But well, yeah. <laughs> it's well, but see, here's the thing. I, I have it in my head that you kind of have this like attunement to it mm-hmm. because it's immovable for a reason. Nobody or no one else can move it except for you. Yeah. It's Thor's hammer. So there's gotta be, yeah. So there's gotta be like some attunement type thing to that. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's, it's twofold, you know, to answer your question, it's, it's a mix of listening to your players, maybe even digging in their backstory saying, Hey, there was a villain that, came and slaughtered my village, but they had this like awesome sword. It was like jagged and it was curved and it was like black as night and, you know, fill in the blank. Um, and so then they could be dead set on finding that person with that sword, A, for revenge, and B, because like, ooh, shiny. <laughs> Pretty items do sell, even if it's headcanon and you don't have an amazing artist or digital person. Pretty items go a long way. And we'll have to talk about like magic items specifically as far as like what magic items are like really good ones to have for your players. And and that could be a topic for another day. But maybe having again in your either general goods store or like a magical emporium type specific, like a magic specific store, you know, having utility items such as like a bag of holding. Or like an immovable rod, you know, things like that. And again, like we can go into that topic later, but, you know, having not only just weapons, but you could have utility items or the ability for them to make magic items for the characters if they're not high enough level to do so themselves. Right. And I think like one thing, because I I know me and I know when I was trying to figure out how to build stores, I was I was looking for somebody to tell me like, all right, you want these items? Like here, it's like here's basically like my shop spreadsheet, and it, here's these mm-hmm. items and this cost. Well, right. I didn't really find that. Well, what I kind of found was like tips and tricks and advice for people trying to make yours. And I think that this is exactly why you do want your shops uh, set up to be relevant to your players. So like you don't want if your player like say I don't know if this would be a good party markup, but say your your players you have a wizard, a warlock, and a, a druid. Uh, bring them into a store where they can buy a, a bunch of plus three, plus four, plus five swords, axes, and hammers. They're like, okay, this isn't why I'm here, per se. Right. There does need to be that level of right, what's going to actually entice your players. And if you have that diverse party and you can do a little bit of everything, keep in mind a shop that sells swords probably 
unless you're like trying to like make a fantasy Sam's Club or something, <laughs> then it's probably not going to sell wands and swords and staffs in one shop. Like your your swords and daggers, bows and arrows, those make sense. You mean I can't buy magical quarterstaffs in bulk? Well, I, there's something seriously wrong with this game. <laughs> well, I think like you got to you got to keep in mind that that's probably gonna cost you some gold. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and and if I might jump in just for a second, like you know, if let's take your warlock, your wizard, and your druid, when you buy magical items, obviously as you level up, and the more rare something could be become, the more they're gonna have to pay for it. Yep. So keep in mind the level of your players when you're describing some of these magic items that they might encounter or that they might be able to purchase. And to go back on that also, if you need to build something, if you look in the Dungeon Master Guide, the book, back in the back, towards the back of the book, there's a whole section on how to build a magic item. And it talks about power levels. It talks about attunement. It talks about like everything that you need to know to build your own specific magic items if you don't find something in a book or in lore that you that fits your situation so and also the same the dmg also does include a chart for cost on magic item rarity so you know say the good range of cost for commons rares and etc so uh, that that is that is hugely useful and you said something shade i think it is a neat idea i haven't done this personally I've been a lot like what you're saying. My when my players were level three and walked into a shop, there wasn't anything. There weren't rare magic items that they could buy there because they'd be too strong. But one thing that I think would be neat, but you'd have to be aware that your party might have the ability to pool their money. So maybe be prepared and set the amount appropriately for this. But kind of teasing them early back when they don't have the gold to front uh, for a magic item, flashing mm-hmm. one at a shop because like. This doesn't happen often in my campaign yet. I'm hoping it becomes more common as the campaign continues to mature. But the ability to return to uh, towns, return to shops, uh, and I'm looking forward to doing things like having shops change ownerships, having shops have drastic overture in what items they have available because I am hoping to bring back my party to areas that they were in when they're level one, Mm -hmm. level two, and places didn't have items. Uh, that were really that attractive, sold a lot of uh, standard weapons, standard broadswords, standard stuff. Uh, now I carry those magic items because, A, as a DM, I'm ready. Uh, like for Also for my players to give them a chance to actually upgrade and, and have more fun with the game. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I think now this is going to be a throwback to like fourth edition and maybe, and I it might be towards the older editions past that too, but they actually, you actually had items that had levels. Mm-hmm. Um, like a bag of like a handy haversack was a tenth level item, and you didn't have to be a certain level to use any any item. But the thought process in the older editions was, since magic items don't necessarily level up, the idea was like, let's say you have a party of level two people, you know, you might give them items that are three, four, five, and six, um, and so then they will gradually work their way to about the same level as those items and then pick up new items and keep the process kind of going. Right. Now with fifth edition, they did things a little bit differently. They have, I think it's common, uncommon. Uh, that sounds right to me. I'm, I'm, I might be missing I a level in there somewhere. I open my book to double check that. <laughs> um, but the idea, it's kind of the same concept. Like 
when you're lower levels, probably like the first few levels, you know, you're going to have some common, maybe an uncommon item or two. And as you progress, you'll slowly get into the rare items and then eventually, hopefully into legendary items when you hit level 20 and start, you know, just becoming godlike. So, yep. So just for those who are probably fact checking us, that item rarity, there's common, which is first level of higher characters, uncommon, which are first level or higher characters. Rares that are 5th level or higher, very rares that are meant for 11th uh, level and higher, and then legendary, which is 17th and higher. There's also a value chart that goes along with that. For those looking this up and don't want to just hear me read a book to you, this is page 135 of the Physical Dungeon Master Guide. Uh, Thus say the book. Thus saith the book. And remember, that's all... It's recommendation. Those levels are recommendation yeah. now. I think it's important to keep in mind hand, uh, giving your fighter, your level one fighter, a plus five sword to attack. That is probably going to uh, break your scale when you're looking at combat. So just uh, keep in mind. If yeah, maybe just by a little yeah, bit. And just keep that sort of stuff in mind. If you give your, uh, your level three cleric the ability to have plus eight to uh, DC when you're attacking them, uh, you might not hit them, and that might become a giant meme in your party, and I am filled with regrets. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. That, that's very possible. Well, hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this this week's episode. We truly appreciate you taking time out of your busy week to come and have a conversation with us um, about storekeepers, about you know magic items a little bit. And we would just really appreciate if you would do us a favor and leave us a review. Um, uh, like a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform, or if you would subscribe to our show, that would be very, very helpful for us to, A, we want to get to know you, we want to interact with you, but also this also helps us to move up in the algorithms a little bit and maybe expand the Dungeon Master Talk podcast uh, family and the community. If you would love to get in contact with us, Kyle, how can they get in contact with us? Yeah, so we do have social media. So you can now look for us on Twitter at DMT, the podcast. And then also on Facebook, I believe that is, uh, help me out, Shay. The Dungeon Master Talk uh, podcast page. No, Dungeon Master Talk page. Yep. I think it's just the page. And then you can also always reach out to us uh, via email at dungeonmastertalk at gmail.com. We do look forward to getting those uh, emails that goes that honestly, everyone that's been the most fulfilling part of this to me is reading your emails. And we do try to get back uh, to you as soon as we can read that, but please uh, be patient with us. Uh, yeah. But we do love hearing from you in any of those uh, forms or fashions. So uh, that, that really just honestly warms our hearts uh, beyond belief that, you know, we, we just hearing those stories of people that we've helped run their campaigns or those that have run a campaign much longer than us. So just thank you so much for reaching out. And guys, we just really look forward to seeing y'all next time. And as always, I am Kyle. I am Shay. And you've been listening to Dungeon Master Talk.